Good evening, everyone. This is Brother Brennan coming to you live from Fayetteville, Arkansas, with another Fishers of Men video broadcast. And it is good to be here on our Tuesday night Bible study. And uh, tonight, <clears throat> we are going to be going through, um, we're going to be starting the book of Matthew. And uh, we're going to be going through uh, Matthew chapter 1. Uh, but tonight's going to be a little bit different because Matthew chapter 1 um we're not going to go through the whole chapter tonight. We're only going to go through, we're only going to make it to the first verse of the whole chapter. So, uh, because the, there's a lot there in the first four, the first verse, and uh, we're going to be getting into a lot of information tonight. And uh, the first verse is actually a message within itself. And so we're going to be, um, we will be going, uh, we will be, kind of starting off a little bit slower than normal uh then maybe after that we might have another message or two for a verse and uh, we'll just sort of um because there is just so much there so it's going to be a little bit before we get to uh matthew chapter two okay and so um so yeah so that's going to be kind of like the dealio with that now um, as you know, Christmas is coming up and, um, in honor of Christmas coming up and, uh, this, um, believe it or not, a lot of you may or may not know, uh, my testimony, but, um, 14 years ago, I believe it was 14, it was to say two, um, 2007, 2017 is 10, um, 2020 would have been 30, yes, yeah, so that would be 14, so around, it's actually was about 14 years around, kind of right right around the time of Christmas, and about a, probably in a, in a few weeks, um, is actually when I gave my life to Christ, and um, I got born again, accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior, it was back in uh, December of 2007, um, so be 14 years this month that I would have given my life to Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. So I'm thinking, you know, in honor of that, in a Christmas and during this time, the holidays, I thought we'll go through the book of Matthew. And um, we're going to get through his birth and go through all that stuff, okay? So you hang, you hang in there. You be, you be praying for me on this. <coughs> Pray for me for the message tonight. We're only going to be up to verse 1 tonight. That's it. Um, because I've got a whole lot of stuff to talk about. Um, and by the way, if you guys want notes, uh, if you guys want the notes, please... Please feel free to email me. I'll send you the notes and I'll go from there. <coughs> All right. So a um, couple quick announcements. Um, as you know, Christmas is coming up on the 25th. New Year's Eve is coming up on the 31st. Um, we don't have very much time left this year. So um, I'm not sure what I'm going to do for New Year's Eve yet. I got to see... <clears throat> I just want to see when when uh, New Year's Eve actually falls. 
because that's a Friday. New Year's Eve is a Friday. Well, we may or may not do something on Friday, okay? We may or may not do something on Friday. Um, also, would like to uh, just let everybody know, um, as of right now, there is, there's not going to be any more Friday Night Fellowship. Um, because Friday I've got to work, and I don't know, it's going to cut in. Um, usually, typically, by the time that we start, um, I've had to work. So, as of right now, there will be no Friday Night Fellowship. So, please do not count on a Friday Night Fellowship right now for a while, because uh, there won't be one, okay? Um, I'm Lord willing... Uh, I, I, I got to get back into preaching Sunday, so you pray for me on that. Um, uh, so you pray for me on that, okay? <clears throat> I'll, I, I, need to, I need to get back into preaching Sunday. So Sunday there will be preaching. Um, I don't know what I'm going to preach on yet this Sunday, so you pray for me. And then I'm going to sort of take some time as I work and pray about it. <clears throat> and uh, you pray for me. Um Let's see, what else is there? I don't think there is nothing else. Um, I do want to thank you all for your patience. Um, being so patient with me. Um, I know there hasn't been a video like this in a while uh, because of Thanksgiving. And then um, I had a trans transition to a, and then to a new job. So that I'm kind of transitioned, but now it's more of just going and kind of getting used to it and, you know, doing what I got to do, right? So you pray for me on that. Um, but it is good to be back, and I'm glad to see, um, for all those of you that will be tuning in, I will be, be glad to see you all. Um, it'll be glad to see you all, okay? So... <coughs> I think with that said, let's go ahead and get started. If you have your Bibles uh, with you, um, open up to the book of Matthew. First book of the New Testament, the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 1. And um, if I remember uh, some just unique facts that you should all think about here. Um, Matthew chapter 1 is the 930th chapter in your Bible. 930th chapter. Now, why do I say that? I say that because the see, Jesus Christ is known as the second Adam, okay? But the first Adam, all right, the first Adam had lived to being how old? 930 years old. Okay, 930 years old. Um, and we see that Adam had lived 930 years and died. Okay, so Adam, the first Adam died at 930. Okay, but when you look in the Word of God and you look at the 930th chapter, you come to Matthew 1.1. Okay, so let's kind of go through here a little bit. I'm just going to give you some background information for you guys. Um, I think we'll probably, probably read here. Um, 
Let's see here. Oops. Um, so the book of Matthew is written to the Jews. <coughs> and um, it's written for the Jews. Okay. Now, but the book of Matthew, I want to point out here. Um, presents Christ as king. Okay? It presents Christ as king. Um, and so if you hold your place there, in the book Zechariah, chapter 9, verse 9, Zechariah 9, um, Zechariah 9, 9, it says, Rejoice, rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Here's the key part. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding upon an ass, and upon a colt, the fowl of an ass. So we see that this was... This is a verse that's talking about him going into Jerusalem on a donkey. Okay? But we see here it says, Behold, thy king cometh. So Matthew, it presents Christ as king and is written to the Jews. Okay? Now, let's go here to uh, Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. It says, the book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Okay? And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. The son of David, the son of Abraham. <coughs> now, when you look into the four Gospels, okay? Um, when you look into the four Gospels, um, you have two Gospels... That two out of the four Gospels have a genealogy to them. And we'll, we'll kind of, and we're not going to get into so much of Luke right now because we'll get to Luke when we get to Luke. But the two Gospels that have a genealogy are the book of Luke and the book of Matthew. Now you might say, well, why, Brandon, is there two separate genealogies? Well, we'll get to that here in a minute, okay? But we're not going to spend. We're only going to spend most of our time in Matthew because that's kind of what we're focusing on um, right now. Now, okay, so we got two genealogies: one in Luke and one in Matthew. Okay, now in Matthew's genealogy, he introduces Jesus to the Jews as their Christ or their Messiah. Okay, Matthew one one. Um, we also see in in, in verse one. That Matthew introduces Jesus to the Jews as the son of David, the father of the kingly seed of Israel, and as the son of Abraham, the physical, the father of the physical seed of Israel. Okay, so we're going to be getting into what those what those terms mean, the son of David and the son of Abraham. Okay, because those are very important, especially the son of David. Okay, now, God's eternal and unconditional covenants to the Jews were given to these two men. 
Okay, these covenants promised Israel a land, a seed, who would bless all of the earth, and an eternal throne and king. So we see that there's two covenants with with Abraham. There's a covenant with Abraham and a covenant with David. Okay, you have a you have a covenant with Abraham for the land flowing with milk and honey, and then you have. And, and that land is strictly promised to the Jews, the actual physical Jews of the, the physical Jews, the physical children of Abraham. Okay, but then we also see another covenant with, with uh, David. Okay, and um, we see that that covenant extends all the way to Christ, which ends, which really ends with Christ, because Christ is the eternal one. Okay, so Christ is that inheritance. Because he's through the line of David, Christ is the heir to the throne. And he's going to be that final heir to that throne. Why? Because Christ is God in the flesh. He is eternal. So he's on the throne. He will always be on the throne. Okay, he'll never be dethroned. Christ will always be on the throne. <clears throat> um, now Matthew records the names and traces the line forward from Abraham to Jesus. Okay. Now... Matthew traces the line from David through his son Solomon and then records the line of Joseph, thus giving the legal line of Christ. Okay. Um, he records the names of, there's four women mentioned in the genealogy, and we'll get to that when we go through this. Um. This is remarkable because women were not usually included in genealogies in the ancient world and because all four had question, questionable backgrounds. Thus the grace of God is even seen in the genealogy of Christ. You have Tamar and Rahab. They were ex-harlots. Rahab and Ruth were ex-pagans. Bathsheba, which actually, she's not really mentioned by name. It's just... She's presented as her. Now, my theory of that is, is it's probably because of the adultery that took place between her and David. Okay? Because in, um, let's see here. It says here in, in Matthew chapter 1, verse 6, it says, And Jesse begat David the king, and David the king begat Solomon of her that had been the wife of Urias. So, in a way, yes, she is mentioned in the genealogy. However, she is not mentioned by name. And, I, and, and my guess is because she's not mentioned by name because of the fact of that adultery between her and David. I could be wrong on that, but that's just a theory. That's just a theory. <clears throat> but she is mentioned, and she is mentioned in an indirect way. 
Um, he records gaps in his genealogy. This was standard Jewish practice to abbreviate lengthy genealogies to highlight important individuals and to organize the list for memorization. For example, between Kings uh, Yoram and Uzziah, which is Uzziah, uh, Kings Joash and Amaziah go unmentioned. Matthew structures his genealogies into three parts of 14 generations each, each corresponding to three periods of Hebrew history. This was probably for memorization purposes. Okay, so think about that. So 14, 14, 14. Let's, let's kind of do the math here for a second. So 4, 8, 12. You put the 1 there. You put the 2 there. Okay? So you got 1, 2, 3, and 4. So that is 42 generations. So 14 plus 14 plus 14 is 42 generations mentioned from Abraham to Christ. Okay? So we have 42 generations of people mentioned in the book of Matthew. Now there's a reason for that. And because uh, anything that God puts in there, he has a reason for it. Amen. So. Now. <clears throat> So there's 42 generations. Now, with Matthew, like I mentioned here at, the, at you know the beginning, is that Matthew, the, the the Gospel of Matthew, presents Christ as the coming King, as Jehovah's King. Okay, from Zechariah 9:9, behold thy King. Now that's just part of the verse. We we re we read the verse. Now, um, you have. I'm going to really kind of briefly touch on this because we're not going to... I want to mainly focus on Matthew, but we'll briefly touch on this, okay? <coughs> so, there are four pictures of Christ in the four Gospels. You've got Matthew. Okay, they pick... Uh, this is pictured as the king and is pictured lion-like. The animal lion, okay? So you have Christ is pictured as a lion like. He's, because what, what? A lion is what? Is a king, okay? A lion is the king of the jungle. So Christ is lion, lion like, and is pictured as the coming king in the book of Matthew. In the book of Mark, Christ is portrayed as the servant, okay? An ox like. An ox-like figure, the servant, a servant, amen. In Luke, we see Christ as the perfect man, and therefore man-like. <coughs> the God-man, the man-like, a man-like, he's, he's the perfect man, amen. In John, he's portrayed as the mighty God, eagle-like. Okay, now why do I say this? Now we see that Matthew is line-like, 
Mark is ox-like, Luke is man-like, and John is eagle-like. Why do I say this? <clears throat> well, hold your, hold your place in Matthew, and uh, we're going to go really quickly before we move forward here. Um, turn with me to Ezekiel 1. Ezekiel chapter 1. And um, I'll, let's we're gonna read here in Ezekiel chapter one, and we're gonna start in verse ten. The likeness of the faces, and this right here of the pictures of the angels is is really a picture and and a portrayal of who Christ is. So let's take a, let's say, let's read, let's read this here. <clears throat> Ezekiel 1, chapter 1, verse 10. It says, as for the likeness of their faces, they had four, they, they four had the face of a man, the face of a lion on the right side. And they had four had the face of an ox on the left side. They four also had the face of an eagle. <clears throat> four faces. You have man, lion, ox, eagle. We see these angels have these four faces which represent and glorify of who Christ is. This here, these angelic these angelic angels, I believe these are cherubim, if I'm right. Um, actually, they are creatures. <clears throat> and I'm not sure. I think these were cherubim. I could be wrong. Um, but these, these, these creatures, the four living creatures that Ezekiel saw, had four faces. Okay, and it's the same four faces that the gospel presents who Christ is. And think about these living creatures. These are angelic, angelic, they're angels, which they are messengers. These, these creatures... Are made up of what? Four faces, which represent what? The four Gospels, which represent what? Who Christ is. These four faces, these four faces that Ezekiel saw, show who Christ is. And these creatures that have the four faces represent. The four Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Now, let's, let's go through that really quickly here. Um, so the first one that's mentioned is the face of a man. That would be Luke. 
the face of a lion, that would be Matthew. The face of an ox, that would be Mark. So we have Luke, Matthew, Mark, and then John. And it's funny that John is mentioned last because Matthew, Mark, and Luke are synoptic gospels. John is written a little bit differently, but with the same message. Isn't that cool? It's very, this is very cool. Now, turn with me to Revelation 4. John saw the same... He saw the same living creatures. <clears throat> John saw the same living creatures. He saw the same living creatures that Ezekiel saw. Now, Revelation chapter 4, starting at verse 6, it says, And before the throne there was a sea of glass, like on a crystal in the midst of the throne. And round about the throne were four beasts full of eyes before and behind. And the first beast was like a lion. Okay, that's Matthew. And the second beast was like a calf. Okay, the calf is, is an ox. So you got Matthew, you have the calf, the ox, that's that's Mark. And the third beast had the face of a man. That's Luke. And the fourth beast was like a flying eagle. That's John. John saw what Ezekiel saw. You know what? When, when Ezekiel saw the beast, he saw Luke. He saw... Matthew, he saw Mark, and then John. But you want to know something? When John saw them, he saw them in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. These are the same four beasts that Ezekiel saw, John saw, and you saw, and you see that these four beasts represent a picture of Christ. They represent who Christ is, his attributes. Why? Because Christ is king. Christ is the servant. He's that ultimate servant. Okay? He is that perfect man. He is, he is the God-man. He is God in the flesh. And then you see that he is God. Amen? Think about um, eagle's wings. I can't remember the I can't remember the chapter on that, but um, <coughs> anyways, but you, isn't that really cool? Ezekiel and John saw beasts with four faces, which represent the four gospels, which represent the type and picture of who Christ is. That is the that is the most amazing thing. I mean, boy, it, it just. Your head will spin. Amen? Now, <coughs> enough of that, because we'll, we'll review that as, as we get into these other books. Okay? 
So Matthew, he is the he is portrayed as the king and he is lion-like. Okay, first creature we read here in Revelation 4 and Ezekiel 1 that Ezekiel and John saw. Jesus, he is the teacher in Matthew. So when you read the book, he is the teacher. Okay. And he emphasizes, you know, sermons and his and, and the readers and the and the people that are reading and that he's writing that Matthew is writing to is to the Jews. And we already talked a little bit about the genealogy, so we won't <clears throat> we won't get into that because we see that, that Matthew has a genealogy. Now, why is this? Is because a king must have one. A king must have one. <clears throat> Excuse me. A king must have a genealogy. And we see the root of that genealogy goes through David and through Solomon. Which the fruit of that would be Joseph's line. Amen. Joseph's line. <clears throat> so, that is just going to be a little bit about. That is that is actually a, that's going to be it for the introduction. I know that was a really lengthy introduction, but that's about as far as we're going to get into. Um, get into uh, for that for those pictures. Now, I'm only focusing on Matthew, so. When we come back to Mark and Luke and John, we will revisit those creatures. Okay, we will revisit those pictures. We will revisit those those creatures. Okay, but we, but that's just to kind of give you an overview of what's going to be coming down the line after Matthew. Okay, now let's go. If you have your Bibles with you, we're gonna. Read here. Uh, so we're going to read here, verse 1, Matthew 1 1. The genealogy of Jesus Christ, right? That's, just, that's like the title of it. The book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. <coughs> now, <clears throat> as I had already mentioned twice already, Matthew is. Portraying uh, Matthew portray, portrays Jesus as the king, the coming king, and we see Christ as lion-like in the book of Matthew. Now, something we see here, the son of David, okay? This is very important that we need to take a look at. <coughs> Excuse me. The son of David. Okay. <clears throat> As we see here in scripture that Jesus Christ is the son of David and the son of Abraham. Jesus Christ is the humbled one now exalted. Why is Jesus Christ called the son of David? This because this is because it was promised directly to David. Okay? 
In other words, <clears throat> the son of David expresses, <clears throat> excuse me, the son of David, in other words, the son of David expresses his relationship as being heir to David's throne. Okay, so the son of David, this is, this is, um, this is Christ, this is the relationship between Christ and him being the, the, the heir to David's throne. Okay, in 2 Samuel chapter 7 verse 12, it says, And when thy days be fulfilled, and thou shalt sleep with thy fathers, I will set up thy seed, which shall proceed out of thy bowels, and I will establish his kingdom. Okay, that's talking about Christ. They're going. Christ is going to have his kingdom as an everlasting kingdom. It will never end. So, <clears throat> we see that this is going to be an established kingdom. Now, and and. In verse 16 of 2 Samuel chapter 7, it says, in an, it says, And thine house and thy kingdom shall be established forever before thee. Thy throne shall be established forever. <coughs> that, is, that is a promise that is given to David of a later seed, which is going to be Christ. So already we're starting to see that Christ the King is coming. So Matthew, so we start. We're starting to see what what Matthew is about to get into: the coming King, Jesus Christ. Now, here's something very interesting: the term "Son of David." This expression occurs nine times. In the book of Matthew alone. <clears throat> Excuse me. So just, just in the book of Matthew. Son of David is mentioned nine times. Okay. So I'm going to give you those references. Okay. So the first term. Obviously, we read it. Matthew 1 1. That's the first reference. The second one, Matthew chapter 9, verse 27. The third reference, Matthew chapter 12, verse 23. The fourth reference, Matthew chapter 15, verse 22. The fifth and sixth reference is mentioned in Matthew chapter 20, verses 30 and 31. <clears throat> the seventh and eighth occurrence of this expression occurs in Matthew chapter 21, verses 9 and 15. And the last one, the ninth one, is Matthew chapter 22, verse 42. This is very interesting that this, that the son, that son of David is mentioned nine times 
in the book of Matthew. Because number nine is the nine, the number nine is the number for fruit. And you see that the fruit that Christ has, one of it is what? Him being king. Because son of David, remember, is the relationship between Christ and his heirship to the throne of David. And we see that expression mentioned nine times. That's a number for fruit. And remember, and think, oh yeah, think about this. Christ is what? Christ is the first fruits of God. Christ is the first fruits of God. Isn't that really cool? So that term is mentioned nine times. <clears throat> um, David as heir to the throne occurs in the following verses. In Psalm 132, verse 11, The Lord has sworn in truth unto David, he will not turn from it. Of the fruit of thy body will I set upon thy throne. Did you guys get that? The fruit of thy body will I set upon thy throne. The fruit of thy body. You know, you know who Christ is? The fruit. Son of David is mentioned what? How many times? Nine times. The fruit of thy body will I sit upon thy throne. But I'm telling you, if you read that verse, it goes just in line. It goes, it's exactly the point I'm making with the nine times. That's cool, isn't it? <clears throat> Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1. And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse. And a branch shall grow out of his roots. You see that word branch is capitalized. So that. So because B is capitalized in branch. It's talking about who? Jesus Christ. Why? Because Jesus Christ is the branch. Turn with me to John. John 15. This is what Jesus says. John 15, verse 1. I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. And verse 5, it says, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. Jesus Christ is that branch. He is the vine. He is that branch. He is that vine. Anytime that you see a capital letter, <clears throat> 
like that you see in branch, it has a deity significance, which is talking about God. It's talking about Christ, Jesus Christ, God the Son, God the Son who is God in the flesh. In Jeremiah 23, verse 5, it says, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will raise unto David a righteous branch. Again, we see branch capitalized, so we see this is talking about Jesus Christ. It says, And a king shall reign and prosper and shall execute judgment and justice in the earth. And we also see that king is capitalized. Who's that king? Jesus Christ. So you see, Matthew really is about the coming king. You know what the good news is? He's coming again too. And when he comes the second time, he's coming as what? King. So this message has a pertinence for the first coming, but is just as important and has application for the second coming. God speaketh once, yea, twice. <clears throat> Christ came as a baby. Now next, he'll come as king. In Acts chapter 13, verse 23, Of this man's seed hath God, according to his promise, raised unto Israel a Savior, Jesus. In Romans chapter 1, verse 3, it says, Concerning his son Jesus Christ, our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh. The name David is in the commencement of the New Testament and is also in the end. Okay, it's also in the end. Revelation chapter 22, verse 16. Isn't that something? 22, 16. 22 is the number for Revelation. And if I remember correctly, I think 16 is a number for love. <coughs> 16 is the number for love. It says, I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things and the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright and morning star. David was a man after God's own heart. You probably have heard the expression, like father, like son. I want you to keep this in mind when making a connection between Jesus Christ and David as for a man after his own heart. Okay? In Acts chapter 13, verse 22, And when he had removed him, he raised up David to be their king, concerning whom... He also testified and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my heart, who, would, who will do all my will. In 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 14, But now thy kingdom shall not continue. The Lord hath sought him a man after his own heart, and the Lord hath commanded him to be a captain over his people, because thou hast not kept that which the Lord commanded thee. That was in reference to Saul. Okay? Because Saul did not keep the commandment of the Lord. But the man after his own heart is talking about David. We see from Acts and 1 Samuel that David was a man after God's own heart. However, what about Jesus Christ? Was he after the, 
after the Father's own heart. In Matthew chapter 16, uh, no, not 16, Matthew 26, verse 39. And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass for me. Nevertheless, none as I will, but as, none as I will, but as thou wilt. In Mark chapter 14, verse 36, and he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible unto thee. Take away this cup from me, nevertheless, not what I will, but what thou wilt. In Luke twenty-two forty-two, Jesus saying, Father, saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. In John chapter 6, verse 38, Jesus says, For I come down from heaven, not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. <clears throat> As we see, that Jesus was also after the Father's own heart. Why? Because he, he was focused on going about the Father's business. In other words, he was focused on doing the will of God. In this case, we almost see how the expression, like Father, like Son. You see, we see that David may have not been an intermediate father to, to Jesus. But Jesus was born in that lineage. Because Jesus had one Father. That was God the Father. You see what I'm saying? <clears throat> now, because the term Son of David establishes the relationship between Jesus Christ as being the heir of the throne of David, we see two big parallels be between David and Jesus Christ that could show more evidence as per why Jesus Christ is the Son of David but this example is more of showing David being a type of, a type, a picture of Jesus Christ. And so as we see here in scripture that both David and Jesus Christ were both shepherds. 1 Samuel chapter 16 verse 11. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Are here all thy children? And he said, There remaineth yet the youngest. And behold... He keepeth the sheep, and Samuel said unto Jesse, Send and fetch him, for we will not sit down till he come hither. In John chapter 10, verse 11, it says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. In Hebrews thirteen twenty, it says, Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant. Amen. <clears throat> so we all, we, but we also see that David was the second king of Israel, and we also we also most importantly see that Jesus Christ is the king of Israel. In Second Samuel chapter five verse three, so all the elders of Israel came to the king to Hebron, and King David made a league with them in Hebron before the Lord, and they anointed David king over Israel. In John 1, 49, Nathanael answered and saith unto him, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God, thou art the King of Israel. 
as we see that both David and Jesus Christ, which mean, as we see that both David and Jesus Christ, which means that it would show us that Jesus Christ is the son of David in terms of his inheritance to the throne of David. Got to remember, David was king. He was the second king of Israel. But because Christ was born through the Virgin Mary, through the lineage of David, he is then the rightful heir to David's throne, which makes him king. Jesus Christ is the king of the Jews. He is the king of kings. He is he's, he's the king of all. Amen. <clears throat> Even though Jesus Christ is the son of David, I don't think it would mean that he is directly the off is the direct offspring of David. And the reason I say this is because Jesus Christ was not conceived by a man, but of the Holy Ghost. But because Jesus Christ was begotten by the Holy Ghost and born through Mary, he would qualify as being the son of David because Mary and Joseph were in the lineage of David. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 1 verse 20. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. Luke chapter 1, verse 27. To a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And Luke chapter 2, verse 4, it says, And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. <clears throat> Luke chapter 7, verse 42. Hath not the scripture said that Christ cometh out of the seed of David and out of the town of Bethlehem where David was? Now let me just ask you guys some things here, okay? Let me just kind of pose some thoughts for you. <clears throat> now, Jesus Christ was the direct offspring. How then could he be perfect and blameless? Because... When you have a direct offspring, you're passing down the sin nature. And if Jesus Christ got that sin nature, how then could he be offered as the perfect sacrifice on the cross? Therefore, Jesus Christ had to be conceived by the Holy Ghost. And even though he was conceived by the Holy Ghost, he was born through the lineage of David, as we see. <clears throat> so... Um, Exodus chapter 12, verse 5, it says, Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You shall take it out, out from the sheep or from the goats. Jesus Christ was the first year, meaning he was the first fruits, he was the firstborn. He was that lamb of God without sin, without blemish. In Hebrews 9.14, it says, How much more shall the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God. Purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. And 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 19. 
but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. So as we see from, from Scripture, Jesus Christ had to be without blemish and without sin. So therefore God knew what he was doing and by being conceived by the power by by the Holy Ghost, by the power of the Holy Ghost, he can be without blemish and still be born through the lineage of David and still be able to inherit the throne of David. <coughs> I hope that makes sense here. Now, also to continue proving my point, here's more scriptures. Psalm 110, verse 1, a psalm of David. The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou at my right hand, until I make thine enemies thy footstool. Matthew chapter 22, verses 42 through 45, saying, What think ye of Christ? Whose son is he? They say unto him, The son of David. He saith unto them, How then doth David in spirit call him Lord, saying, the Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand, till I make thine enemies thy footstool. If David then call him Lord, how is he his son? I think what Jesus Christ was speaking of here is that he isn't the physical son of David, but he's telling them that he was born through the lineage of David, therefore qualifying him to be king. In other words, again, the term son of David does really express the relationship that Jesus Christ has being the heir to the throne of David. And Mark chapter 12, verse 36, For David himself said by the Holy Ghost, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand till I make thine enemies thy footstool. And Luke chapter 20, verse 42. And David himself saith in the book of Psalms, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand. Amen. And that is all we got for the son of David. So, going back to Matthew 1. The book of the generations of Jesus Christ. The son of David. So we see that the son of David is the relationship to his heirship to the throne. Of David. Okay. The son of David. Now we're talking about the son of Abraham. <clears throat> now the son of Abraham. Why is Jesus called the son of Abraham? Well he's called the son of Abraham. Because it is promised to him. And received. With joy by him. As by David. The son of Abraham expresses his relationship as being heir to the land given to Abraham. So we see the promise that God gave to David for the throne. We see another covenant and promise made by God to Abraham about the actual physical land. You see, the land of Israel, that land was given by Christ, by God, to the Jews. Okay, but Jesus Christ is the one who owns that land. That's God's land. You don't touch his land. Israel is God's land. You don't touch it. You don't mess with it. 
And you don't mess with his people either. Whether Jew or Gentile, you don't mess with them. You don't lay a finger on them because God will eventually will eventually deal with you the way that he will. <clears throat> so we see Son of David is the relationship between Christ and the heirship to the throne. But with the Son of Abraham, we see that this is the relationship between Christ and the heirship to the land that was given to Abraham. Okay, now in Luke chapter 1, verse 73, it says, The oath which he swore to our father Abraham. Okay, John chapter 8, verse 56. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. In Genesis chapter 12, verse 3, it says, And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. In Genesis 22, verse 18, And in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because thou hast obeyed my voice. Why will Abraham's seed be blessed? They will be blessed by who? Through Christ. Christ is the blessed one who came and is coming again. And it's through Christ that Abraham's seed will be blessed, both physical and both the physical seed as well as the spiritual seed. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 16, now to Abraham and his seed were the promise made, he saith not, and to seeds as of many, but as of one. And to thy seed, which is who? Christ. Which is Christ. <clears throat> so we see that Christ, the son of Abraham, is talking about the relationship between him and his heirship to the land. The physical land of Israel. And that's what we're going to talk about next. Heir to the land. Genesis chapter 15, verses 18 through 21. In the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, Unto thy seed. Think about that. It's not seeds. He's saying, Unto thy seed have I given this land from the river of Egypt unto the great river Euphrates, the Kenites, and the Kenizzites, and the Canaanites, and the Hittites, and the Perizzites, and the Rephaims. And the Amorites, and the Canaanites, and the Girgashites, and the Jebusites. What is the land that Jesus Christ will be the heir of? Well, the land is the land of Israel. And if Jesus Christ, through Abraham, will be the heir, do you think Jesus Christ is done with Israel? Nope. You get all these people that say, no, Christ is done with Israel. He's, he's, he's done with him. Well, if Christ, let's gonna, let me just play devil's advocate here for a second. If Christ was done with Israel, why is he called the son of Abraham? Why is Christ called the son of Abraham? Because if Christ was done with the with Israel, then that would mean either he doesn't have the right to the land or Jesus is throwing away his inheritance.
And I don't know about you, but Christ wouldn't throw away his inheritance. Jesus Christ, the son of Abraham, refers to the relationship between him and the heirship that he has with the land of Israel. So therefore, if Jesus Christ will inherit the land of Israel, if he gets that, then guess what? He's not done with Israel. So don't you, don't ever think that Christ is done with Israel. Just because he's, to us Gentiles, he's not done with Israel yet. He's not done with them. He's going back to them. Okay, he's going, Christ is going back to them. That's his land. All of Israel is God's land. That is Christ's land. You don't mess with his land. And by the way, if that's his land, that means one of these days he's going to rule from that land. Think about that for a second. He's going to rule and reign from Jerusalem one of these days. He's going to rule and reign there. That's his land. So you... The, the son of David, the son of Abraham are inseparable. You cannot have one without the other. The land, the land and the throne are inseparable. You cannot have one without the other. <clears throat> Simple as that. But that's Christ's land. You don't mess with it. Do you think that if Jesus Christ will be the heir of the land of Israel, don't you think he'll come back to rule come back to it and rule and reign in Israel for a thousand years, which he will. But I want you to think about that. I want you to think about that. Okay. Now I want us to go, th I want us to close off and finish off with some scriptures. Um, A lot of these we've already been through. A lot of these we have. Um, except for uh, Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulders. And his name shall be called Wonderful. Counselor. The Mighty God. The Everlasting Father. The Prince of Peace. Wonderful Counselor. The Mighty God. The Everlasting Father. Prince of Peace. Five things. Five is a number for grace. And you see. Those are five names of Christ. In Isaiah 9.6. Think about that. Isaiah 9.6. A nine can be reverted to six. I'm not going to go there. That's probably think that's probably reading too much into that. But uh, we've already read Isaiah 11, 1, uh, Matthew 1, 2. Abraham begat Isaac, and Isaac begat Jacob, and Jacob begat Judas and his brethren. Um, Matthew 9, 27, one of, the, one of the things that I mentioned to you earlier. 
about the son of David, okay? But I haven't actually read it. It says, and when Jesus departed thence, two blind men follow, followed him, crying and saying, thou son of David, have mercy on us. In Luke chapter 1, verse 32 to 33, he shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. In Luke chapter 1 verse 69. And hath raised up an horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. In Luke chapter 3 verse 32. Which was the son of Jesse. Which was the son of Obed. Which was the son of Boaz. Or Boaz which is the son of Salmon. Which was the son of Nason. In John chapter 7, verse 42, Hath not the scriptures said that Christ cometh out of the seed of David, out of the town of Bethlehem, where David was? Romans chapter 1, verse 3, Concerning his son, Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh. Romans chapter 9, verse 5, Whose are the fathers, and of whom, as concerning the flesh, Christ came, who is over all, God blessed forever. Amen. <clears throat> First Timothy chapter two, verse five, for there is one God and one mediator medi for there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Jesus Christ. Second Timothy chapter two, just a few verses down in verse eight. Remember that Jesus Christ, the seed of David, was raised from the dead according to my gospel. And we already touched on Revelation 22.16. So, I want to close by saying this. Jesus Christ is not done with Israel. Because he's going to go back to Israel. He's going to rule and reign from Israel. And therefore, he is the heir, and for, for he is the heir of that physical land through Abraham, because Abraham obeyed God's voice. So we see the son of Abraham is talking about the heirship that Christ has between Christ and his heirship to the physical land of Israel, and then we see the son of David. Christ was born through the lineage of David, conceived by the power of the Holy Ghost, was pure and perfect, and is and was the coming king as a baby, and is the coming king in our future. Jesus Christ is that coming king. He came as a baby the first time. The second time he'll come as king and he will rule and reign on David's throne in Jerusalem, which is in Israel, which is that land that it's that throne is on. And he will inherit that land and he will inherit that throne. And one of these days he will rule and reign 
from Israel, and he will rule and reign the whole earth. Amen. So that is it for tonight. That is the message. I told you this was a whole message. So this is why I had to do it just, you know, verse one tonight. So Lord willing, next time we will get into verse two. And Lord willing, we'll try to see if we can get into verse two, verses two and three. And, uh, but yeah, that's, that's all I got for tonight, you guys. So next week we'll continue on. And I don't know how many parts we're going to have to this because this is a lot. This, this is a lot. We've got 25 verses here in chapter one. So I don't even know how far, how much we're going to go through this. I don't know how much, um, I really don't know how much, uh, how long this is going to take. Okay. This might take a bit. So you, you be patient with me. Um, because verse one, the son of David, son of Abraham, that was a whole message within itself. It really was. And you found that out tonight. So I hope it was a blessing to you, but it's going to be a while before we get into chapter two. Um, so be patient with me, okay? Um, <clears throat> so, Lord willing, next week we'll get into verse 2, maybe verse 3. We'll see. Um, but yeah. Listen, guys, I love you. Um, uh, I don't want you to take my word for it, for it, okay? You do your own homework. You go and search the scriptures yourselves. Be Bereans, because I can be wrong at some of this stuff, okay? If I'm wrong, then let... Then let let God be true and Brandon be a liar. Because I, I make mistakes. I say stuff that's probably wrong. Don't take every little thing I say for truth. You go search it out yourself. Amen? So, you guys, that's it. Um, that's all I got for you guys tonight. Um, I love you guys. God bless you. Hope that this was a blessing to you. Um, you know, again, this is, uh, you know, December. Christmas is coming up, you know, and... Uh, thought this might be a good appropriate time to kind of get into Matthew and and uh, his genealogy and hopefully his birth, okay? So you pray for me and you pray that, God, that this would be a blessing uh, for all those who listen to it, okay? Um, other than that, that's all I got. So um, you guys have a great night. God bless you. I love you. Uh, remember, there will be no, until further notice, there will be no more Friday Night Fellowship because I have to work. So... Uh, Lord willing, we'll see you all. We I will see you all on Sunday. Okay, so um, love you guys. God bless you. You guys have a great night, and we'll see you later. God bless you guys. See ya. Bye.